right, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Internet. We are coming to you live. Woo, make some noise. World Headquarters in Placentia, California, in front of a live studio audience of, I would say, what, 50 people, 60 people. I would say half of them are uh, here by choice. The other half were uh, we lured pay. in by the free giveaways. Yeah, thank you, Patreon. We pay people to come yes, to our live Yes, yes. So, so thank you to our Patreon supporters. They pay for, uh, for beer and uh, facilities, so thank you. Um, we are also uh, recording on Facebook Live, so if you want to see what this looks like, because let me tell you, there is such a difference between hearing it with your imagination and seeing how unattractive we are um, in person. So, so you can check that archive out on Facebook Live. So anyway, this is uh, April 20th, which I don't remember. There's some sort of big, big stoner holiday today, that, that, and I don't even understand why. Um, <laughs> My but, friends but in just, San Francisco were legitimately complaining and freaking out. Like parents of children, they're like, I hate today more than any day of the year. Yeah. Because they're like, it's, it's like 10,000 zombies walking around San Francisco. So, so we thought we'd celebrate today. Uh, I, I don't even, and I don't, you know, it'd be, that'd be a fun topic, like marijuana and like yeah. its uses and whatever, but, yeah. but today let's just celebrate the, the great gift that is marijuana. My 20 I, year I've old never, self would be just, never, never, nowadays never had I it. just have hops, which is in the family. All right. So, um, anyway, my brothers and sisters, uh, you can follow us voxpodcast.com or voxcommunity.com and uh, Twitter. And, no, no, and there's no voxcommunity.com. It's voxoc.com. Voxoc.com. Perfect. <laughs> Coors Light has taken over. All right. Um, uh, so here's what we want to do. So, so I don't know. I don't know. How many of you in the room listen to more than three Christian podcasts? Or semi-Christian podcast, okay? Not, oh, hardly any. Oh, that's good. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. We're the fantastic. only one? Yes. So, so one of the things we started, there's somebody putting eye drops in because of the marijuana. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, 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 let me tell you how sheltered I am, all right? So um, I'm 33, 34. I, I'm, I'm out here. <laughs> In, uh, I moved to California. I go to my, I go to a Pearl Jam concert at Verizon Amphitheater, and within, could you please silence your phones, ladies and gentlemen? This is this is a professional recording. Uh, and and within, you know, literally the lights go down, and within 30 seconds, there are all these puffs of smoke, and I and I have, and I and I, I'm literally I'm yelling. Pearl Jam kicks in, and I'm yelling to my friend, "What's that smell?" <laughs> <laughs> And I had no idea. It's not sweat, my friend. So, so yeah, I was like, but that's a, that's a really pungent odor. I mean, what is that? So, so uh, that shows you. So any that's hundred percent gasoline. Any jokes? Any jokes I'm giving I come not from experience, but from watching Anchorman and other shows. Now, <laughs> all right. Um, uh, so, so one of the things that's been interesting over the last year is the number of of podcasts that have either they were already kind of on the scene or have kind of launched since then that, that focus on one aspect of, of Jesus following, namely the idea that we can, we, we're deconstructing faith. Yeah. So deconstruction is this big word in the podcast space. There are podcasts named after that, and it's kind of a topic where people who have been exposed to church or exposed to faith are deconstructing their faith uh, in order to find something more tangible, more real, whatever. And, and we've been talking, Andy and I have been talking a bit about this because it's an inter a lot of podcasts are uh, either, they're either of uh, kind of a sermon variety where you just get the weekend recording of a sermon, 
or they, they spend a lot of time talking about very controversial things and they're cussing and they're, you know, they're making inappropriate jokes and it's like, oh, wow, we're edgy. But mm-hmm. there's nothing more than just a bunch of conversation. You know, there's no advocacy. There's no, so, so we feel like one of the, one of the t- conversations we've wanted to have is about this idea of deconstructing faith, but, but doing it in order to reconstruct it on something. And we thought it'd be interesting to have it with you guys because we want to hear your stories of deconstructing a bit uh, in, in a few minutes. Um, but I want to talk just so quickly about deconstructing and, and why that seems to be, that, that word comes from um, Jacques Derrida, as many of you know, 1967, Ooh. I know, French the philosopher. French? Uh, the French. And, um, and, and, you know, Derrida is incredibly difficult to read, but, but his main supposition is one of the tenets of postmodernism, if postmodernism has tenets, hmm. uh, namely that any, any system is going to have weaknesses and flaws, and, and, post, and postmodernism or the, or the project of deconstruction is the examination of any system to find its flaws, to name them, because ultimately systems are used to impose power uh, and to impose will. And so um, religion obviously was an example that was used in his work, but it, it's very popular today to kind of deconstruct the Christian faith. And, and there's a ton in the, in the podcast space we occupy and share with many other podcasts. There's a very uh, open um, willingness to deconstruct faith. So you'll, you'll hear things kind of like this, you know, it's, it's more about questions than answers. It's more about discovery than certainty. It's more about struggling and wrestling and mystery and wondering. It's more about humility and openness, right? Mm-hmm. And, and those are all words uh, that we use mm-hmm. and that sure. lots of other, and lots of other people are very comfortable with these days. You know, certainty is sort of frowned upon the journey more than um, the, the destination is what's valued. And, um, and, 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 and so it's an interesting sort of phenomenon. And so I've been, I've been thinking about why is it that this seems to be very much an in thing in Christian circles? In other words, um, and, and not every Christian circles. I mean, obviously there are some that just still love that good old fundy uh, fundamentalism. But, but in a lot of the circles I'm familiar with, it seems like loads of people. And our podcast has drawn forth loads of people who are all like, and these are big questions we're yeah, wrestling with. Definitely. And and what do we do with these things? Some of us, some of us enter deconstruction willingly, right? We we're sick of hearing the canned sermons and the smoke in the mirrors and the and the next great you know program, and we're just kind of like over it. Some of us enter it unwillingly because we've been crushed by the church, we've been hurt by individual Christians, we've seen the hypocrisy of parents or church leaders, we've seen the legalism and its emptiness. Some of us enter into this grieving. Some of us enter into this celebrating. Some of us find this very disorienting. Some of us, some of us go into deconstruction and come back out the other side with a more vibrant faith. Some of us enter into deconstruction and we abandon faith altogether. Some of us enter into deconstruction and leave the church but are still very spiritual. I mean, it's just it's a very common posture, uh, I think, among people under 40 uh, to kind of adopt this stance, um, and it's and it's it's deeper than skepticism. It's 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 literally the I need to test this, and, and part of that, of course, part of that's normal. If you've been tuning into our podcast, you know that there's we, we've looked at two different ways of describing the deconstructing journey, right? There's the spiritual stages of spiritual maturity, where mm-hmm. you go from stage one, which is internal chaos, to stage two, which is institution and forms that somehow help you govern your inner life. 
But so at some point, those forms, they fail, they falter, they, they, you can't rest upon them for very long. So you enter into something we call stage three, which a lot of people identify with. It's the, it's the, I'm not sure how much I know. I have suspicions and inclinations, but I'm very much in a place where the things that satisfied and answered in stage two no longer satisfy right. an answer. Is where skepticism and doubt live. Yes, and, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Or we've, we've used uh, Walter Brueggemann's analogy of, of in the Psalms, you, you see this very clear journey between orientation, God is awesome and life is perfect, disorientation, God, why have you forsaken me and why don't you answer, to reorientation, God rescued me from the pit. And so part of the journey, I think, for, for those of us who call themselves Jesus followers and those of us who don't, very naturally is a deconstructing journey. I think that's part of the way we grow in the idea of faith, right? It, it, what was handed to us has to become our own, and part of our ownership of that is the questioning of it, the wrestling with it, the struggling with it, and so on. So, so part of that's normal, and part of that, uh, and I don't think that we give enough uh, a credit to this point, and part of that is a natural consequence of following this crazy Nazarene. Can you imagine... You're a good Jewish young man. You have followed the 613 commandments. You've tried to follow the oral Torah. You've celebrated the feasts and the festivals. And then here comes a rabbi who all of a sudden tells you, um, it, well, what you see this rabbi do is you see him forgiving people apart from the sacrifices and the temple systems. You see him healing lepers and declaring them clean apart from the priests who were supposed to do that. You see him, um, you see him welcoming the most unsavory kinds of people into very clearly defined kinship and acceptance circles. And you're sitting there horrified at this proper rabbi who's doing such things. I mean, Jesus is disorienting. Following Jesus mm -hmm. is deconstructing, right? The faith that had to be deconstructed, imagine those first Jewish disciples the, and the deconstruction they had to undergo huh. to just follow this guy. Hey, rabbi, how many times should we forgive somebody who sins against us, right? The rabbinic answer was seven. Um, uh, Jesus' answer was 70 times 7, and that was a, a reference to Genesis 4. I mean, it, it's mm -hmm. like, like you just see the, the disciples in this constant state of disorientation. So, so deconstruction, on the one hand, is a good and natural and healthy thing. On the other, it's kind of hip. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other, like deconstructing is the new construction, right? It, being in exile is the new promised land. Being on the journey is the new answer. You know, it's kind of like this very interesting sort of trade-off we've, we've made where arriving to conclusions isn't so sexy, but, but asking questions really is. Mm. So I want to talk just maybe 15 more minutes, and the, and the room said amen, about <laughs> why this deconstructing journey in both its healthy and unhealthy aspects seems so prevalent now. Because it's everywhere. I mean, all the social media platforms I follow, the podcasts we listen to, this is the, the very common, very common theme. We're all in process. We're all wrestling with big questions. And hallelujah, there's some great stuff a part of that. Our point and the, whole, and the reason for the podcast is that's not enough. Mm -hmm. that, that someday, whether it's years from now, post-therapy, post-whatever, someday reconstruction in whatever direction it takes has to be embraced and begun. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we've always seen ourselves occupying a weird space between 
the, the sermons where just one person is talking and the, the, the deconstructing podcast where you're just having conversations and you're cussing. We feel like there's this, <laughs> there's this middle space where, no, there, there's, a, there's a reconstruction that can begin. Yeah. And, and to start a little bit about that, I want to I just talk about why deconstruction seems so, so prevalent today. And then I want to hear some of your stories of deconstruction. Like, what was the moment where you went, okay, no. What was the moment? Was it a moment in church? Was it a moment away from church? Was it a moment when someone came out to you and you went, oh, well, this, your gayness doesn't really describe the gayness that I read about in the Bible, mm. and I don't know how to put that together. I mean, yeah. there, there are, sometimes there are moments yeah. when you literally can say, that's when, it be, that's when it started, the deconstruction. So I want to hear from you. Before we do, uh, I want to just talk about maybe why deconstruction is becoming such a popular way of uh, expressing faith in Jesus. And, and, and some of the reasons are, are totally and completely obvious. Some of them are, man, we've never been more connected to people who are different from us. Mm. Really easy to have a faith of orientation or a faith that is a stage two faith when you've never encountered somebody who's vastly different. Either as a Jesus follower, they're vastly different, or as somebody who loves and is kind and is merciful and is more godly in some ways than the Jesus followers you know. So the fact that, you know, I, can, I know exactly what's happening in Syria tonight. I know what's going on in Pakistan. I mean, I mean we're aware of how interconnected we are. I mean, that, that absolutely deconstructs some of the very cliched 30-second Bible answer, man or woman answers, you know, that we've gotten, you realize, no, 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 there are, there are Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and atheists who are incredibly good people. Christians do not have a monopoly on good, for crying out loud. Mm. We also, I, I think as people become more courageous in sharing their stories, I think this is a huge reason, right? I mean, so many people, even scholars that I read, who say, yeah, I've changed my position on LGBTQ issues, started because my kid came out. Mm. Um, or, or I had a, an uncle or a cousin or a friend. And you realize, well, it's easy to hold a theology of sexuality. It's a lot different to hold that theology of sexuality when you're next to somebody you love and care for. And uh, a buddy of mine, you know, a buddy of mine uh, asked me a really profound question one day. He's just like, hey, you can either be right about Romans 1 or you can love the people uh, next to you. And, um, you know, sometimes it feels like you have to choose. So, so for mm. some of us, we're, we're actually encountering people who don't fit in the boxes that we were handed. And that is what provokes uh, deconstruction. For others mm. of us, and this is more of a theological answer that I, I love and I get in trouble, but we were handed a faith that was built on Paul and a faith that was not built on Jesus. So the faith I was handed came straight from Romans. It did not come from the Gospels. And the faith that I was handed came from, listen, man, you're a sinner. Jesus came to save you. Jesus took your place. Repent, believe, and you will have eternal life. That's not the message Jesus preached. That's part of it, but that's not the thing. And Paul preaches wonderfully, but Paul never preached Paul. Paul preached Jesus. Romans was what happened after Paul preached Jesus and tried to build a church. So one of the things I dislike about many of our faith expressions and some theological systems is they're built on Paul almost entirely mm -hmm. uh, or Calvin and Luther. And you're just like, you know, that is very different than building a faith on Jesus of Nazareth. And I think part of what our generation, I'm including myself in the millennial generation right now, <laughs> is you look it. Absolutely. You I do. look it. I do. I do. I had someone tell me I look younger. 
Yeah. Post post a little uh, post a little LB loss. All right. So so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a toupee. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be amazing. You're going to, you know, go I'll go for that orange uh, skin no, color. No, not orange. No, so you and your orange. Enough. Enough with the orange. <laughs> Sorry, that was a Trump joke, actually. Uh, oh, but, okay. <laughs> no wonder you like orange. That explains oh. so much. <laughs> so, 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 oh, so for many of us, we were handed a gospel that was framed by Paul. We were, we, we were handled ethics that were framed by Paul. We were handled a church structure that was framed by Paul. And Jesus, you know, was an add-on. And um, I, I could go off on that. I just think it's the most tragic thing mm. that's happened in many theological systems. Um, we, we've also, many of us sat in church environments because, because we've fallen in love with Paul. Paul emphasizes doctrine. Therefore, doctrine is what saves us. Being right is what saves us. And if being right is what saves us, then having doubts about that is something that you should not do. So for many of us, we're raised in very strict, or maybe not, um, maybe not outwardly strict, but there was this subtle pressure that you shouldn't ask the real questions that you were wondering about. You know what I mean? Like you were just to kind of receive the answers that you were given and shut up. And I, and I think that has, has colluded with some of these other things to, to bring us to the place where just simply asking deep questions is so unbelievably refreshing um, in and of itself. And, uh, and so that's why some of these podcasts are so popular. You mean I can actually ask about, you know, recreational drug usage and no one's going to throw anything at me? I can actually ask about, well, shouldn't we love gay people? No one's going no to, you know, cast me out of a church. I mean, and, 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 I, and I think the church has done such a, a, a poor job of allowing that to happen. We're reaping kind of the consequences of never letting people doubt or wonder. Yeah. So I think that's a huge reason that people enter into deconstruction. We see hypocrisy, of course. We see conflict in the, in the church over the dumbest ass stuff in the history of the world. Right? I mean, oh my oh, goodness. Oh, by what do you mean? Oh. <laughs> oh, I can't even know. I will not. I will not go there. And, and then we realize that, 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 um, that the celebrity... The, the, the Christian celebrity thing, the, the, the megachurch um, industrial complex, the cr Christian celebrity machine, all of that is intoxicating for a while, and all of it's awesome, and, and God certainly uses it because he uses, you know, jackholes like us. But there is a sense in which yeah, I'm being after, used a while, right. after a while, <laughs> um, after a while, it just goes so hollow. You know, there's just nothing you can sink your teeth into there. I, was, I remember the moment I realized that all the speakers at a conference were there because the conference was sponsored by a Christian publisher. Oh. And the way they measured oh. success for this huge national Christian conference was by how many books they sold. So it wasn't for well, the benefit of people. Yeah. Well, and then we talked about it on the last episode of the podcast, too, with, uh, with, with Kyle and um, Jamin. Jamin. Like, yeah, like going to a pastor's conference, and it's like every young, like you don't see the 80-year-old, 70-year-old, 65-year-old oh. pastor that's been cranking on a small church and like had the most loyal, incredible faith to a community of people. Like that's, that's just right. not who's there. And so I think, I think there's a, and, and so I think a lot of this deconstruction is actually a beautiful thing. And it needs to be. We need to throw out some of what we've been handed. We have to. The concern is always, how far do you go with the throwing? And so our mission, see, and that's why we started a church. We, we felt like we could not in good conscience before God 
sit and critique the church without giving it a shot. And so our podcast isn't just raising questions, but we want to throw stuff out to chew on. And whether you agree or not, totally secondary for us. Uh, certainly you, you can do better, better than, than agreeing with me on a lot of things. But, but the idea is that there's a, there's a piece for reconstruction. And there's a place for that. And, and that it's not uh, deconstruction. You can't live there. Um, even while you're deconstructing, you're still living on something. You're still living mm -hmm. according to something. You're still following someone. You're still, there's still something that's guiding. So um, I, I, I want to kind of hear some stories of deconstruction, offer some stories or some thoughts about reconstruction, and then call it a wonderful night. <laughs> All right, so my question for you in the room, or chime in on Facebook, uh, is what, what are your, without naming names, Okay, so Driscoll, given. Can, um, can you come grab this or have someone come uh, walk this around, AJ? Uh, what, what's your journey been like? Don't, um, what, what was the moment, if you can remember a moment, when all of a sudden you just went, oh, I, I'm moving from, not that you would have used these terms, but I'm moving from stage two to stage three. I'm moving from orientation to disorientation or, or ooh, that moment. Now, again, no specifics in terms of churches or people, but um, I'd love to, I, I'm genuinely curious for you, where do you find yourself and what was that moment? Here we go right over here. Thank you for being courageous to be the first one to share. You are on the podcast. I, we will not identify you by name. We will just call all of you Jennifer. Jennifer. I was Benifer. You went Benifer? Well, just because this boy. Why would you female. go? Oh my gosh. Because I was I was being ambidextrous. You had to make it a gender thing. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Benifer. Thanks. Um, so it's 1995. Um, I'm living in Europe, in Italy, study abroad program. My well-meaning grandmother sends me in the mail across the ocean um, the daily bread. Oh, I love the daily bread. And I'm reading it's a little it. devotional. It is a little, a little bit. Um, yeah. And I'm reading it. Here I am in this country where when we go into the churches, there's nobody worshiping in the churches. It's 95. Yeah. It's post-Christendom. Yeah. Um, couldn't find a church service on a Sunday in the middle of Florence. Wasn't happening. <laughs> um, and I'm reading in this book, and it talked about the missionary is going to save the savages. Oh, Yeah. And it just was this clarion moment for me that said, how arrogant of us. Yeah. Yep. And I came home to my parents after I got hit. Well, and then I got through a car at me in Budapest. That's a whole other thing. And I had oh to come gosh. home. Wow. So, yeah, totally. Um, and I was talking to my parents about it. And my parents looked at each other and said, you've lost your faith. Right. And I was like, no, it's the opposite. Right. Come on. Preach. And that was the, that was the moment. That was the for moment. Me. Good for you. Thank you. That yeah. is that is well Thank answered. You. That's exactly what we're looking for. That that kind of answer. Great job. Sorry about the car. Yeah. Serious. Budapest. Anybody else want to share? This makes for a boring podcast if you guys aren't yapping. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I was kind of raised with a particular idea of, uh, you know, I was actually in the, in the Catholic Church, came up in CCD, and uh, just rebelled, man. Grew up on the streets and shocked. In, uh, in, in juvenile hall shocked. and uh, graduated to prison. Ooh. Um, and, uh, and I always believed the story, right? I always believed the Bible from I was, the time I was real little. The problem was, you know, I just had this idea that I, I just 
had to look good, you know, to be a good Christian and uh, <laughs> would make these deals with God that I would just blow every single time. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, got to the point where, man, like I, I, I was going to church, man, but just I just wasn't there. Um, and my son was actually, uh, he was born on Good Friday. And I left the hospital and went to my church. Um, it was uh, out in Costa Mesa. It was, actually, it was Rock Harbor at the time. And they had, <laughs> they had these uh, they had these these crosses right that you could uh, you could take communion at and uh, that one. during the response time you know people would go down we'd, we'd right. get in front of them and um, I always said man it, it was that night that I went from believing a story to believing in Christ uh, because I didn't see my life as being worthy of a surrender right like right. I was I was worth nothing like right. why would God want me. Right. According to the church, according to how I've been raised, man, I just wasn't good enough. But, man, my son was, right? So, I mean, like, in a sense, I kind of, like, sacrificed him, and I surrendered him, and I said, God, man, like, I'm, like, I, I don't have anything more. I have no more deals. Like, even if I did, I'd, I, I'd probably be lying. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, like, I, I just surrendered um, what I didn't have, you know? And it finally, you know, it didn't even hit me until years later that that was the true surrender because I didn't have anything to give. I didn't right. have anything to offer. I didn't even have the lie or the premise that I was going to be a good person if God ju- would just love me. Right? It was just like, God, I don't want to screw this up. Please yeah. help me. Here's my son. Um, and it started shape, you know, a, a walk with, with Christ around the idea that, man, God just wanted to, it was just waiting, you know, for me to stop making these deals and stop coming up with this weird idea that I had to look good to, uh, to love That's him right. and, That's right. and he, the Holy Spirit like did the rest. So that right? was, so that was a moment that actually changed for you from deconstruction to reconstruction, right? That yeah, was, was more reorientation. That was, yeah. that was where it became real. Right. And the pretend I've got to look good and the bargaining and the negotiating, you didn't have to do that anymore. Right. That's awesome. Right. And it's been a, it's been a crazy journey since where I'm actually, getting back to that as uh, I'm, I'm starting another journey to actually become a pastor and my I'm sorry my, you can't yeah my, <laughs> we don't I'm well so my, my sheep are like smoked out and smacked back you know over at uh the the santa Ana riverbed right? i literally bribed them with cheeseburgers to hear me share the gospel with them perfect and uh you know uh so we smoke cigarettes and drop f-bombs while i share the gospel yeah. so there you go and, uh, so I, well the cheeseburgers was yeah, the most controversial you know, thing and, for our day and age yeah Maybe if you guys, what about the maybe vegans? if you went after them with uh, turkey burgers and uh, right some kale <laughs> chips. <laughs> All right, thank you for sharing, my man. Appreciate yeah. it. That's awesome. Good. Anybody else want to chime in? I love it. What was it for you? What was the moment for you? And do not drink another one of those, my lord. No, I'm not. I got one. Those are huge. They're as big not, as you are. It's a pint in England. This is one beer. Thank you, whoever said right. Why are you so insecure? <laughs> we got one right here, well, AA. Sitting next to it. I was just agreeing with Andy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, now, now you're sharing. Well, okay, so now I'm sharing. So I was born in a Reformed Christian American church, you know, the whole Calvinistic thing. You yeah. don't close your blinds because God knows what happens. Everybody needs to see what happens. Whoa. Um, Dang. Predestination, all that. At the same time, I, know, I knew my parents loved Jesus. 
and they communicated that. Um, I'm looking at Jonathan. Her, so her husband. My mm. husband. Yes. So this, this is this is a podcast too. Okay. I am so grateful for the journey that I've had. Um, yeah. yep. I've had redemption on many levels, and there's stories. I was widowed. I was left with two little kids. Mm. I went through infertility, and at the same time, God was walking, or I was walking alongside God, and I am a firm believer in redemption when did it turn, though? Because you, you have this very cool sort of, you know, deconstructed, now reconstructed faith. What was the moment for you when that became real? That's a tough question. Um, I think it was when I was not able to conceive and my first husband, who was a brand new Christian, who was a recovering alcoholic, said to me, let go and let God. And I wanted to say, you, right. I have been walking this journey. How dare you say this to me? But I did. Yeah. 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 And I went into the shower and I prayed and I said, okay, God, give me a freaking baby. I want a baby. Hmm. And we're in the New England Journal of Medicine. And, and then I because was widowed. Of, because of the birth? Yeah. Because of how miraculous the birth was, you mean? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. And he is walking with God. He is walking with Jesus. He is, you know, you say, you want a baby. Okay, I have a baby. This is a man now who is amazing. And then I was widowed when he was eight. Mm. And mm. I said I would never be married again. Because, you know, who wants to do that? And then Jonathan comes along. and Jonathan, just for, for you on the podcast, Jonathan's about 40 years younger. <laughs> <laughs> he owns a Ferrari dealership. Yes. In his dreams. <laughs> And we have been walking this journey together. I mean, talk about redemption. Anytime any of you want to talk to me about redemption, God redeems the bullshit. Mm. All of it. Nate and Hannah and Seth, if you're listening, um, (laughs) that is a a euphemism. Sorry. No, no, (laughs) of course not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. So yeah, and, and so we walk along and we say, oh, hey, God, what's going on? Oh, huh. okay, well, maybe, but I don't know. You know, what's interesting to me is um, how often a cliche w- said at the wrong time provokes deconstruct- deconstruction. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Let mm-hmm. go, let God. I mean, That's some of these. Crap. Right, yeah. right. It's, it's really funny the damage, the damage those cliches can do. Mm-hmm. So for you, that was a huge moment for sure. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. So thanks for pushing me. Hey. <laughs> that te- that'll teach you yeah. for agreeing with Andy. Yep. Don't do that. Anybody else? A couple more? Come on. You're all deconstructing here. I feel it. I feel your doubts and your skepticisms. 
Hey. Um, Hi. I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, just to give some kind of context. Congratulations. To that. <laughs> um, yeah. I truly believed that Christmas was a day. It was a national holiday to hang out with your family and get gifts. That's what I'm saying. Um, I honestly thought Easter. I didn't get it, but there was an Easter bunny. And you, Sundays, everything was. It was a holiday. Um, nothing was discussed in my family in terms of that. Yeah. Um, so growing up, anything, just for lack of a better word, gay, um, was just not discussed. Mm -hmm. um, no one in my family, at least no one has come out, but <laughs> no one in my family is gay. Um, growing up in the schools that I went to, I mean now classmates have come out, but growing up there wasn't like somebody that came out, right. so it just wasn't discussed. And right. um, reading and, and, and movies and all of that, that topic came up, but I never had like a real life experience with it, um, so I never really questioned it. I, so, when, so when I did um, find Jesus, or however you want to say that, um, it was a very much, I guess, stage two church and right. what was handed to me. Um, and because I was so new to everything, I felt very discouraged to like ask questions. And right. naturally, I ask questions. I'm a historian. I'm a history educator. Um, wow. So I never felt safe to like ask questions, but I was given a, a stage two Christianity, if you will. Sure. Um, so that wasn't discussed either. It was more like, oh, be sad for them for gay people, but we never talked about it, whether that was in youth group or, or big church or whatever. Um, and it was almost like that cliche of hate the sin, not the sinner. Yeah. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And the second I asked, it was like, no, 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 like just, just love them from afar kind of thing. It was really odd. Um, so anyways, um, it was 2009, and it was right after Prop 8, that whole election thing. And um, at the time, I was going to college group in a mega church in South Orange County, and there was a lot of picketing. I'm sure you can connect mm -hmm. the dots. Um, picketing about Prop 8, and again, asking, like, how does that fit into that narrative? Like, right. if someone in a Christian home comes out, like, what does that look like? Right. And no one, wanted, no one wanted to, like, have that conversation. So it was just really confusing. Yep. Um, Yep. So anyways, 2009, it was January, and I was hanging out with one of my friends. We've been friends for three years. She's one of my best friends. And um, we were driving on the freeway, and she said, hey, we have, you get to choose. Do you want to go to Pomona, because we're hanging out with friends, or do you want to go back to Long Beach? We're on like the 57. I don't know where we were at. And I just said Pomona. I didn't know anything else. I just said, let's go to Pomona. That's what and I always so, say. Yeah. So we went. I was like, yeah, I'm sick of Long Beach. Let's go to Pomona. So yep. we went to Pomona. We were in college. You can never and, say um, chicken and waffles. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> and uh, so we were driving. And then I noticed that she, her body language kind of turned like uncomfortable, which was really odd. And so I said, what's, what's going on? And she said, um, let, let's go back to Long Beach. Like, she's very adamant on it. And I was like, no, we're, we're like three exits away. Let's just go to the, the social thing in uh, Pomona. And um, she starts to slow down. And she says, well, I need to tell you something then. And I said, OK. And um, I mean, I thought she was like dying because she was very serious. And then she came out to me on the drive to like the party where they were going to in Pomona. and. Um, Again, I, I've never had that like real life experience, so I was like, okay. And then I asked her, um, you know, when did this come about? And she said, oh, I was really young. I was in junior high. And I asked, like, 
wh like, why are you telling me this now? Like, why didn't we ever have this conversation before? And she had said, I know you're a Christian, and I was afraid that you would stop me and my friend. Sure. Mm. Well, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's what we do. So that's when it started yeah. for you. Yeah. And I, and I thought about it, and I thought, ew, like, I don't want to be associated with that. Like, that, that felt very shameful and embarrassing. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then be, the reason why she told me that on the way to that party was because that party was filled with lesbians. And she was like, <laughs> I knew that you were going to figure Pomona. out. <laughs> Pomona. Yeah, she's like. <laughs> it's kind of how we roll. She's like, I knew that when we got there, because she wasn't thinking, because she's right, had to live a double right. life with me. Right, right. She's like, I, I wasn't thinking until we got there that you would figure out I'm a lesbian. Like, I'm a lesbian, mm. so I would have to come out to you before that. Right. So we had this whole conversation about it, and I didn't know at the moment what to say, but all I said was, if we never have to talk about this in the context of, I'm not going to try to change you, and let's like not try to talk about politics, I'm fine with that. And so we're still friends. Yeah. Um, but that was a moment where I had to like rethink what that meant yep. and what that conversation meant. I think a lot of people are in yeah, that spot. And yep. People I've met through her, yeah. I've met so many people that have like grown up in the church and have been excluded. For, it was just, it's just been crazy. And even, and still, still I meet people and they're like, oh, you're a Christian? And you're hanging out with us? Right. I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. you're cooler than my Christian friends. So, <laughs> Wait, what? President, no. and, that, and that started, Impossible. and that just started different things of different Absolutely. cliches of, Absolutely. you know, everything have a reason, what? And yeah, stuff like that. It's good. Yep, that moment. Yeah. Going Thank to Pomona. You. Be careful, guys. Be careful. Well, Oh, All right, oh, we wait, got. Let's let's do Blazer. Yes. Sorry, I don't, I don't, I, I just don't know your name. That was the easiest way. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> he's been called worse. I could have gone sport coat. No, it's Blazer. <laughs> so, um, un unfortunately, I'm I'm not a believer. I am still on the journey trying. Did you to say fortunately? Unfortunately. Why? Oh, I've not yet. Why unfortunately? Well, I haven't yet received the blessing of faith, and, and so I've huh. been on a journey now for about 50 years. Um, I, I remember as a kid, um, I grew up in Detroit, sort of your neighborhood. That's what I'm talking about. And uh, my, my parents would shove us into vac vacation Bible school, which is always the thing to do. And, and I remember, I must have been seven or eight, and they were going through the, the Noah story. And I kept thinking to myself, wait a minute. I, the, <laughs> there's no way. There's just no way. We're, we're, why didn't the unicorns get on the boat? What happened? I, I don't <laughs> quite understand. And, and, and then they would Starbucks. go through the Jonah thing, and I'd say, wait a minute. How can this possibly be? And it's... So from that perspective, I've, I've, I've listened to the literalists who have gone through and, and mm -hmm. explained everything. And I've, I've spent a lot of time reading, um, a lot of time going to various churches. I'm in a mixed marriage now with, with my believer wife. Wow. And, uh, and, and I have What an, color are your kids? Well. <laughs> on, that's funny. They're both the both same. Well, yeah, well, a shout out to my, uh, my stepson, Colin, who went to Biola and is her son. So he's my oh, stepson. Okay. So all he, right. he's a good guy and, and studying to be a pastor and all oh, that. Oh, I'm sorry. So at any rate, I, I, I go through the, uh, the, the whole process. I've, I've got an LDS daughter, so I, I, okay. I've gone to their church. Nice. Um, I've listened to, as Colin has brought his guys, I've gone to Biola. I've listened yep. to those folks. I, yep. I've spent a lot of time looking, searching hoping for the blessing of faith. Yeah. Mm. I sit through the, all the podcasts and uh, all the services and all the rest of it, and yet it still doesn't, doesn't hit, doesn't, yep. doesn't, doesn't feel right yet yep. to me. I believe there is a higher spirit. Yep. I think there is a Yahweh out there. I'm just not sure I buy in all to all the trappings of 
religion. That's what has attracted me, obviously, or I think, to, to the Vox experience, is that it's beyond that. It's just not just the, the big bands and the, the, the gospel or whatever it, all, what it might be. It, it, there's something more to it. There's something mm -hmm. more intellectual to it that appeals to me because it's, it's not like you're just sitting there saying to somebody, here is how it is, accept it. It, it yeah. is, you are explaining exactly what the, what, the, what the Gospels mean, how to interpret them, where they come from, mm -hmm. all of the stuff that I've been looking to and, and reading. Awesome. Yeah. So it, it hasn't hit yet. Yep. I'm not sure if it ever will. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if I can ever say the magic words, and I hope I can. <laughs> um, but at some point, I, you know, I, I hope it does come to me. Yeah. I, I just keep waiting for it. I keep praying for it, and yep. it just for yep. whatever reason, hasn't come to me yet. No. Mm. You know, I think, I think you speak, first of all, thank you for sharing and yeah. being here. I think you speak for a lot of people when they feel like they have to accept all the trappings in order to accept any part of it. And that's yeah. one of the things that I think deconstruction has been really helpful for me is the realization that I don't have to accept the whole thing at once. It's not a, it's not a, people weren't perfectly formed in their theology of the Bible when they came across this Nazarene rabbi and went, that dude's got something. There's something about that guy that's pretty interesting. So I love that you're in the process of working that out, that, 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 that so much of the subculture that a lot of us rebel against mm -hmm. um, it is not of Jesus. You know, it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of tradition cemented as fact. Right, and right. I think there's a, a good process of questioning some of that. So thank yeah. you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, uh, I absolutely love it. Well, we, and we talked about a little bit about that this week, like when we were talking about what we do for the show, like the, the whole, a lot of the concept of deconstruction is almost the concept that we're deconstructing a subculture. Right. Not so much that we're having to deconstruct what Jesus actually said, but rather we've all been handed. Yes. You know, this way of living out what and Christian that, is supposed to be. No, that's a, and that's a huge point. I mean, so much, so many people say I've been hurt by the church. No, you've been hurt by the subculture. You know, you that it's the to me, there is a beauty to the people of Jesus who are really of Jesus and and and, and Jesus is in their midst. But there is an ugliness to the subculture, I think, that, that, yeah. that houses Jesus for many of us. Mm -hmm. And so I always try, when people are wrestling with, man, do we even come back to this thing? I always try to just say, listen, there's a difference between the vessel and the treasure, right? There's a difference between the cup and what it's holding. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and one of the great sins of the American church has been to, to make the vessel equal to the treasure. Yeah. To accept Jesus, you have to accept this way of doing church, this way of looking at the Bible, this theological system of salvation, this theological system of how I grow in my faith. And, and that just isn't big enough to capture um, uh, our imaginations and who they, the reality of who Jesus actually yeah. was. So yeah. well said, yeah. well said. Just well one said. more. Somebody else? Come on, come on. I like it. You could walk faster, AJ. <laughs> Uh, whoa, whoa, that's loud. Sorry hello. about that, everybody. Hello. So it was, I was sitting in church, and it was Easter Sunday of all days. <laughs> I was also a worship pastor at the time. Oh, were you up there singing? Uh, I don't know if it was mid-singing. Okay. Actually, I know it wasn't mid-singing, and both my wife and I were, were the worship pastors at the church, a very large church. And the question that was posed at the end of service was, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And just felt like there's got to be more to this than just a ticket to heaven. Oh, that's good. Yeah. See that? Okay, so that was the moment. Give, give a couple more. 
That's really interesting. What yeah. was the moment where all of a sudden you went, you're going, was that a this? Yeah, yeah. Yes. You, you know what? I felt a connection <laughs> here. Was it the white open collar that... Oh, I'm jealous. I'm and so coastal jealous. beauty. I'm so jealous. Um, so it's going to be a little bit longer than the last one, but uh, I had kind of a similar story. Catholic upbringing, got into uh, agnosticism, atheism, and yep. then... So I really started more from a place of de uh, deconstruction because when you start from there and then you yeah. kind of slowly try to build up. And I think some of the hard things is when you're trying to reorient, I mean, I'm, I think I may be jumping ahead, but like... No, jump away. You got to figure out what's important and what's not, and that's kind of hard. Yes. Because when you figure out what's important, you're essentially taking a stand on something. Right. And you could be with one group and they'll say, oh, how brave. And then another group <laughs> mm. will say, how arrogant. Right. Yeah. So yeah, totally. You, you just, you can't win. The safest answer is always, I don't really have an opinion. Right. Mm. I don't really know. But at the same time, sometimes when you do take a stand, there are those who kind of are, you know, I've heard, oh, I'm so glad that you said that because I've, you know, right. I feel that way. I'm, you know, it's almost like you kind of build that small group, but mm -hmm. kind of in a social media age, everything has to be so public. Yep. Hmm. You know, yep. um, so you take a stand and it's a very public stand. And, um, and yep. that's why it's easier, I, I, I think you're saying something really profound, that's why it's easier to just kind of stay publicly in deconstruction. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's yeah. rewarded. Right. And I've, it, it's weird, um, it, it's, it's exactly what you said. I stay there. I'm quoting you. And I'm, yes, you <laughs> And I kind of, the high intellectual part of me is like, you know what, I'm doing the right thing. Totally. I'm not hurting anybody, but at the same time, it's a very convenient way for me to kind of be a coward. Sure. And mm -hmm. to be like, I, you know what? I don't have an opinion. I don't want to offend anybody. Totally, totally. You know, and yeah. you could take this, apply this on, you know, any number of issues. That's right. Let's say you were to do it on a political issue like abortion or slavery or whatever. Like, right. the people, like, depending on how we view the subject, let's say it's um, slavery, if you were a non opinionated, you know, I just, I'm against war and I just, I don't want to be a big fuss. Like, we judge you very horribly. Yes. Um, you should because, have an opinion on that. Because yes. a certain, because one side won. It's one right. side won the narrative. Right. Um, you know, let's say 100 years from now, it's like we live in a vegan world because meat eating is wrong. Yes. Um, 100 years from now, people are going to look at me like I'm a monster. So, yeah. you know. It, it's interesting. Know. Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting how yeah. it evolves. So the journey from, from deconstruction to reconstruction sometimes takes courage because it's just easier to stay in deconstruction. You got yeah. it. You got it. Oh. AA. AA. That's how, my, uh, how pa Coach Pedro calls AJ. I just think it's the greatest thing ever. AA. <laughs> so my background is your, kind of your perfect white middle-class American that's what I'm talking about right two kids dog white picket yes fence, yes uh, evangelical church it's here for I've been white. trying to get a white picket fence for at least three years now and they won't give it to me um, because, so I um, I was working in the financial sector in San Francisco and I had an encounter with a homeless man and um, 
in finance, everything was a, is about risk aversion. How much are mm. you willing to take on? How much are you willing to, to um, try to grow what you have versus protect what you have? And um, kind of my very normal Christian background uh, really came into conflict with this. Mm. And in this experience, I felt kind of Jesus prompting me very much as you see in his Last Supper, saying in his last command, do as I have done and love others. But somehow the traditional perspective of, okay, now I can make a lot of money, so I write a check, and that's my contribution. Mm. Yep. Somehow that didn't fit. Yeah. And so the Lord, has sent, it was really moving me to say, well, how much risk am I willing to take? Come on. And what does it mean to lean into what I'm not comfortable with? That's right. And so all of these issues that I don't, that traditionally I don't know how to wrestle with, yep. instead of trying to put a box around them and say, well, this is the pat answer, yeah. the Lord began this prompting of, well, now you get to step into this. Yeah. And that's the journey that you get to embark on. Yep. I love that, dude. So it was yeah, when you were confronted. Great. Yes. One more. Big gentleman in the back who won the 90s, who is the 90s, who loves the 90s. <laughs> right? Weren't you going to share? Don't look at me like you're surprised. You had your hand up 10 minutes ago. Oh, yeah. What? Really? Oh, oh me? Me? Yeah, you, the guy that had his hand up 10 yeah, minutes win, ago. Win, winning good beer and Humboldt Brown held with hemp. I mean, demands oh, boy. good no. answers. Well, for me, it was the moment. It was just like you were talking about that, you know, grow up in a Christian home, uh, mid-90s, early or late 90s, uh, Prop 8, gay marriage bad, Christian's good, you know, that paradigm. And I'll never forget one day I am flying on a business trip up to Northern California, and I'm on, I think it was JetBlue, playing around with the TV monitor in front of me, uh, changing channels. And um, for whatever reason, I started watching Milk, the, the movie about mm -hmm. Harvey, uh, Harvey Milk, the um, uh, congressman from San Francisco. And I might have seen it for maybe five minutes, but the scene that I saw was after um, Harvey Milk had become a congressman, they were, um, you were in his um, city hall office with his aides. The city, his, there was gonna be this, gay, this big um, anti-gay rally mm. uh, in the city and it was gonna have all these high profile uh, um, Christian advocates of the mm. time. We're talking about late 70s. And, um, and so they were gonna be there and it was gonna be this huge rally. And Harvey Milk's aides were trying to talk him out of going to the rally and being there. And that he, it wasn't safe for him, that they had no place being there, that they had to stay away from there. And Harvey Milk's response was, you don't get it, we need to be there, I need to be there, because we need to show them that we're the people who are gonna give them hope. Hmm. And, and I just, my jaw dropped when I saw, when I heard that, thinking, you know, these were, these were like Billy Graham type people that hmm. were organizing the rally, people that I've associated myself with, affiliated myself with. Hmm. And yet, these people, this community was saying, was finding hope, not from them. They were the threat. They right. weren't the hope. Right. And I just felt so conflicted. Yeah. At the time. Yep. And that just, 
little did I know that that was going to send me on this crazy journey that God was preparing me to go on. So yeah, no, that that's was my it. moment. Yeah. One more. All right, right. One more. Last one. It's going to be so good. Andy, we'll try not to choke. <laughs> Had a little tickle right there. Right, right there in the throat. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I got the finger. There it is. Boom. I had. A, um, I was doing great. I just. I was a. I'm a worship pastor at a really, really big church, and I was just doing great. And then my wife now, um, her brother, before we got married, he was like, "Hey, one of my really good friends is starting a podcast. His name's Andy." And then one of my pastors, like Mike Erie, is starting a, a podcast, and it's Vox what? Podcast. And so the first one I listened to... One of to, my friends wait, wait, named wait, Andy wait, wait, is wait, starting wait. a podcast. Let's, start, let's, let's reflect on the order in which that was, that was brought up. Okay, I asked Andy to press play and record and not look at it. Yeah. So I was doing fine and, until I listened to the Vox podcast and then I completely lost my faith. Oh, wow. <laughs> there it is. Perfect. There it is. All right, so, so way to end it. Oh my goodness! Oh, so, that's so, good. so there's a sense in which your stories—I I mean, I think they're compelling because they speak for so many. But there's a sense in which I, I and I, and I hate kind of having to. Uh, for me, I mean, man, there've just been. I remember I was watching. Um, I was watching. It was called Real Time with Bill Maher. Oh. And this was back in the day when he would have Christians on, and ask them just normal questions, and they just couldn't answer. And I'm sitting there going, we just look like the biggest idiots in the history of the world. Or I had a Jewish, uh, an agnostic Jewish philosophy professor who looked at me over dinner one night and he just said, Mike, you're too smart to believe in this. What? Really? Mm. Talking snakes and trees? Really? Really? I mean, he, and he was very kind. He was just like, really? Really? And I just, I, I, and I, saw, I saw so much hypocrisy. I mean, I had any number of mentors who would have affairs. And then justify those affairs by saying, well, I mean, once saved, always saved, right? I mean, mm, God forgives us for anything. Dang. And, and, you know, you just kind of, after a while, you just go, oh, this, I, this, isn't, this doesn't feel good. So what I've learned about reconstruction is, um, is our faith doesn't rest in any way, shape, or form on Noah and the ark or on Adam and Eve or on dinosaurs. It rests on this Jesus person. And if you're going to do anything, and if you're going to read anything, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you engage with Jesus. And, you know, if you don't buy the other parts, okay, don't buy the other parts. It's him that's the, the whole point of the thing. Um, and, and so I think one of the things, you know, we've done so often is we've said you've got to accept the whole thing to accept Jesus. And I just, that's not true. Um, but the, the second thing I think that's so interesting is once, once you open yourself up to Jesus, you then find yourself in, a, in perpetual open-mindedness and curiosity. And this is how you can tell if someone's following Jesus of Nazareth or they're following the closed system of Christianity, hmm. by, by how curious they are about things in the world, about how threatened they are by other things. If they're following Jesus, um, Jesus people, because Jesus was this way, Jesus is constantly disrupting things. You know, so there was, there was, one, there was one point when... when uh, uh, oh, what was it? Jesus was, um, <laughs> he was, he was with his disciples and his disciples said, Hey man, there, there's some other guys casting out demons in your name, but we tried to stop them because they weren't, they weren't part of us. 
right? <laughs> and, and I always laugh because it's like, well, I mean, we can agree just sort of mathematically, less demons is better than more demons, correct? <laughs> kind of as a postulate. And, and so here's some guys casting out demons in Jesus' name, and the disciples tried to stop him because he, they weren't part of us. And, and, and Jesus says, what are you talking about? You know, he just rebukes them uh, <laughs> utterly and just with this, you know, G Jesus judo. And he's just like, well, you guys are ridiculous. Whoever, whoever's not against us is for us, you know, duh. Yeah. And, and there's a sense in which Jesus is constantly disruptive. And so, so for me, the, the reconstructive journey begins first with a place that gives permission. And, and it, many of us have found that place of permission where, and if you're in a church where you don't have that permission, leave that church. Because that permission is central to, to what Jesus is going to want to do to form you and shape you. Uh, it's, it's absolutely true. If you're, if, you're not, if you're not allowed to grieve, to mourn, to lament, to question, to be angry with God, um, that those people are not following the scriptures. They're not, I mean, it's just that sin, please flee. That is not a place you want to be. But permission, there, there's a difference after we're in permission between directionlessness and open-mindedness. Hmm. To be open-minded doesn't mean we're directionless. Like I'm yeah. always, I've, I've decided to orient my life towards Jesus. And the filter I have is this Jesus but because it's Jesus and how this Jesus turns out to be, I have to be perpetually open-handed and open-minded to what he's doing in the world. Because when it was here and we have records of it, it, it so clearly was everything he promised and nothing anyone expected. Yeah. How in the world do we get to the place where we're utterly sure he's changed? And so it's just, it's just a straight line from what he did then to what he does now. And they were surprised then, but now we've got him figured out. He operates according to general accepted accounting divine principles or something. And they just go, no, no, no. So, so it's because the direction is towards Jesus. You, you walk in this open-minded humility mm. where you realize if it's true, if it's good, if it's beautiful, it's God's. End of story. doesn't matter where it comes from. doesn't matter what it's called. If it's true, it's good, it's beautiful, aligned with God's purposes in the world. Claim it, it's yours. Mm. So, so the reconstructive journey for me doesn't, doesn't end with absolute airtight, arrogant certainty. It, instead, it ends with direction. And because I'm directed at Jesus, it ends with this perpetual open-minded and curiosity. Mm. We just sat with a, a young lady who we're going to interview for the podcast. She was raised in Saudi Arabia. And we've, I've heard so many stories about Jesus appearing to uh, Muslim people in dreams. And, you know, you're just kind of like, okay, well, that's cool. Jesus yeah. doing this Jesus thing. And it's, you know, to your point, the, the, the missionaries don't bring Jesus someplace. Jesus has been there. Yeah. Um, the missionaries were just the ones showing up. But, but she tells us just her story of, of finding Jesus and how her friends and Jesus appearing in dreams that are, they're just, it's utterly impossible. Yeah. The things that people were hearing from Jesus about somebody else. And I mean, you, you're just like, oh my goodness. And you realize that the strictures of Christianity just aren't big enough uh, to capture what this guy's doing in the world. And, and so there's a freedom that comes with it. But I, but I want to distinguish that freedom from just being wishy-washy and just being you know, just kind of cowardly or whatever, because that's, that's not true. I'm a follower of his, but it's precisely because I follow him that I have to be open-minded and curious about everything else. Yeah. Yep. Because he's constantly disruptive. Yep. Now, do you guys, um, do you guys have any questions about that? Do you want to talk? Do you want to, do you want to ask anything about that? Because I think that is such a, a, a fun jumping off place 
that was you sharing stories. Is there any, I want to open it up to Q&A and you don't have to, but if there's anything that's kind of spurred your imagination you'd want to talk about, I'd be interested to, to hear it and kind of engage further in conversation. Yeah. Perfect, a silence descends on the room. The Coors Light has done its work. I love you, man. You're so great. You're so great. That's the I marijuana. <laughs> What's that smell? What's that smell? All right, per uh, all right, perfect. Oh, 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 um, oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, wait, wait. Turn it. Turn wait. it on. It's a tight ship. Talk into it. Wait. Hello. There we are. So what you just said, that you don't have to believe the whole Bible, you can just stick with the four Gospels. What yep. does that look like, though? Because in church, it's you believe A to Z. Yeah. You don't. Right. You can't just pick and choose. Right. So is that just picking and choosing? Oh, Ooh. wow. So good. The hammer just dropped. Yes. Okay. Um, and this is that that is exactly and precisely and beautifully the critique is, hey, you've got a Bible within a Bible, right? You've got the red letters, which are often the words of Jesus are printed in red. Um, and you're elevating those. Isn't it all equally inspired? Hmm. Now, I used to say, oh, of course. Now I say absolutely not. The words of Jesus carry a heavier weight than the words of anybody else. The reason simply is this. According to the New Testament, only Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. Only Jesus is the, what deity looks like when it appears in bodily form. Only Jesus um, gives us, you know, what Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, that's now, now agreed, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have filtered the words of Jesus to us. So there is another barrier in there. I got that. But one of the things that's really shifted in my thinking about the Bible is I don't start with the Bible, I start with Jesus. And I say, okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do they give us any, any accurate, semi-historical picture of who this guy actually was? And there, there are a bunch of ways to answer that question. I answer in the affirmative. And then I say, okay, so how does just Jesus engage with the Judaism of his day? So I go back into the Old Testament. I'm realizing, okay, here's the, here are the precursors to so many of his discussions and the backgrounds of so many of the questions he gets asked. Here's the New Testament where his followers were trying to make sense of what it was that happened when this splashed right in the middle of first century Galilee. And so I get to the Bible, and, and, and I trust the Bible is inspired, but I don't get there because it's the Bible that was inspired. I get there through Jesus, if that makes sense. So it's a different way. I didn't accept the Bible and then read about Jesus. I read about Jesus, and then I accepted the Bible. Mm. And because I now realize that, that God is perfectly manifested in Jesus of Nazareth. Anything that doesn't agree with that picture of God, I realize isn't of the same importance or of the same authority. So the pictures we get of the violent God of the Old Testament, for instance, are those pictures that the Israelites themselves painted? Did they mishear? Was God just condescending to the kind of warlike tribal deity that was common in the ancient Near East? I don't know. I just know that's not the fullest revelation of his character. What we see in about God in Christ trumps every other revelation about him. So yes, I'm picking and choosing, and I'm picking and choosing because Jesus himself did. He said, listen, anyone who's in my kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. I mean, he actually, Jesus actually critiques the Old Testament law by saying, you've heard it said, but I tell you, right? So Jesus himself inserts himself above 
the, the writings that had come before him. Now, I, I think the Spirit superintended the followers of Jesus to write what we call the New Testament. I'm totally in for that. But when people accuse me of saying, well, isn't that picking and choosing? I'm like, yeah, and Jesus did. Jesus held himself up as a really unique authority. Now, that doesn't mean the other stuff's not inspired. It just means, though, I don't start with it. So I have all kinds of people who say, listen, can I believe in evolution? Well, of course. Can I, can I believe Adam and Eve weren't literal people? Well, absolutely. You, those, are, what, those are conversations you have once you're inside the faith. Right? You don't, we don't start there. And one of the tragedies of proclaiming the gospel, whatever that means, as we give this narrow slice of Paul and call that the gospel, and then we, we package the Bible as if it were all easy and to understand. You could open it and totally make sense of it without any work soever, and it made complete rational sense at first setting. None of those things are true. And so when we present it like to accept Jesus, you've got to accept not only the Bible, but our conservative, Republican, white, American interpretations of it. Right? Then you're into all sorts of trouble that Jesus himself would condemn. So anyway, that's my take. That's a great question. That's yes. a great question. Thank Boom. you for that question. That was a great question. <laughs> Whoa. Wait, who's next? <laughs> Man, we could end on that one, but we're not going to. Anything else are. you guys want to talk about? We could make these more entertaining. I mean, Andy could go shirtless. And you could see that, that chest hair is not a I premium. might argue that that might culture. not be the most entertaining thing. Okay. <laughs> all right, anything else? Nope. All, right, all right. Yep, one more? Yep. Okay, then we're, then we're out. All right, so what's your process in determining kind of what, like let's say you have an affirming view of this or a non-affirming view of that. Correct. What is your process in deciding whether to share that or not? Ooh, knowing that perfect. you have a very wide audience. Some are yeah. who are ready to hear. Some I am a wide audience. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. Yes. Oh, that is such a, that is a great question. So, so, so first of all, Christians should never be in the, in the business of public stances about things. Because you could very easily then conclude that, that if Christians believe this political issue and in this particular side of a political issue, it's very easy to then draw the conclusion that being a Christian is synonymous with that political issue. And that's what's happened in America, right? Uh, for many, being a Christian is synonymous with just conservative politics, uh, with, a, with a view of guns, the military, with a view of immigration, with a view of sexuality, right? And, and for so many, that's so distasteful that they don't even give Jesus a hearing because it's become wed together. And many of our Christian leaders permit and encourage that wedding that is absolutely intolerable, demonic, and idolatrous correct? I mean, we could all agree with that. So, so first of all, Christians as Christians are not in the business of giving their opinion, their Christian position about how the kingdoms of the world should orient themselves. We are citizens of another kingdom entirely. That, that kingdom runs on entirely different uh, values, priorities, and systems of operation. So, so yes, Step one is have opinions about how we should do things in the world. We're, we live in a country, thankfully, where our opinion gets asked. But where we get into trouble is when we Christianize our opinions about the kingdoms of the world to then lead to the conclusion of the people outside uh, our movement that to, to be a Christian is to hold that opinion. I mean, it's like, Katie, what you were saying about, well, you're a Christian, which means you're going to hate me because I'm gay. That's just the natural narrative. So, so first of all, we never, even when we're sharing our convictions publicly, we share our convictions in a way that doesn't shut off 
the possibility that you could be a sincere follower of Jesus and hold a different view. Make sense? So that's number one, no matter what the conviction is. Number two, I think that, that, that whenever you're sharing, you distinguish between missionary conversations and discipleship conversations. So missionary conversations are conversations that we have over the podcast where, man, we don't know who's listening. We hear from people from all different faith backgrounds and all different processes. And so we explain Christian things. We don't assume that people are Christian that are listening. Da, 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 da. But when we're having family devotions over the table at my house, right, and, and my kids have, have, have said, yes, we want to follow this Jesus, I can make some assumptions there that I don't make in a public sphere. So p- part of what we do on social media is we have discipleship conversations with each other in a very missionary forum, and that is toxic. So, mm. so that's why Jesus was so clear. If you're going to disagree with somebody, do it privately before you take it public. Well, now it's just, if I disagree with something, I just blurt it out there, and, and everyone can watch the ugliness of the Christian community, you know, just scrolling through your Facebook feed or your Twitter feed or whatever. So, so for me, um, what I share publicly, I always want to be honest, I always want to be truthful, uh, but I want to be of utmost importance and most central. I may have opinions on a thousand other things like Noah and the Ark and what happened to the dinosaurs and all those sorts of things. But the biggest thing I want people to come away with on our podcast is just how beautiful Jesus is. That's it. Whether you accept him as Savior and Lord, I can't control that. Whether you, uh, whether you buy the whole Bible or just the parts you like, can't control that. What I, all I know is that there's something so beautiful about this person. When I come across people who are utterly post-church, post-Christian, they love talking about Jesus. They hate talking about Christianity. Hmm. And so I want to I wanna do my best to decouple the two so that when you have a Jesus conversation, people can be disarmed, feel free uh, to ask questions, to be curious, and they don't feel like they got to swallow the whole Christian package. Does that make sense? So, so, but, so, so I'll try to be more careful for sure, but I don't want to ever be duplicitous. I don't want to ever be the kind of person that says, well, I'm in front of non-Christians, so I'm going to say X. But I really think Y, right? And a lot of the gay community... Um, feels that way sometimes because Christians publicly will say, hey, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome, we love you, we love you, we love you, and you're in sin and you can't serve in leadership, right, once you come into our church. <laughs> yeah. And so there is a train going by, but there is, there, there is a, uh, a matter of a consistent integrity. I'm just, I try to be more careful and, and wide open in how I express things, knowing that loads of people are listening and could misunderstand, versus if Andy and I are just having a uh, a chat where you can make more assumptions. So to me, the biggest thing is limiting the number of assumptions I carry into a conversation like this. Boom. There it is. All right. That's a great question. Great question. We had to beg for them, but we got two good ones, Andy Bear. We did. We should probably shut this thing down. We're going to shut. I, I was already going to do it. All right. So, um, so what we're going to do is, um, we're, we're so grateful. First of all, if you're a supporter of ours, thank you. Thank you for letting us do this stuff. The li- these live shows are the most enjoyable things that we do. Um, it's just amazing that people keep coming up uh, and coming out for these. Um, secondly, if you are ever in the area and you don't have a faith community, uh, voxoc.com, according to Andy, is where you can find us. <laughs> and according to the internet. And otherwise, you find nothing. Uh, but, uh, but other than that, I don't think we have any news, do we? 
No. Okay. Fantastic. No. So let's do it. We, our... we have a we have a great church and a great podcast. What other news do you need? The gospel. Oh, no. Good no, news. No. It's it's. Um, oh, what was the news I saw today? It was so ridiculous. I don't remember. There's always something new. I mean, I literally feel like you could record an ongoing live stream podcast of just my Twitter feed. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like in the morning it's this, and then Trump says this, and then this happens, and then you're just like, oh my word. All right. Right. And yeah. And forget about the lolcats. You know. The what? Twitter feed you're following. The what? Well, you know, like, lol cats. Laugh out loud cats. Oh. It's a wonderful website that's just about videos and pictures of cats. Where you can laugh and, you know. It's, it's truly a moment of joy. The millennial mind is, is uh, Listen, okay. It's a beautiful, okay. For beautiful the record, thing. this has been around for like seven to eight years. I don't mean, I don't, and for one, I'm, I technically, I'm, I am actually Gen X. No, I'm you're not, not actually millennial. No, I, I will not claim you. I will not. My, neither me <laughs> nor my generation will claim you. Regardless of my love for Smashing Pumpkins, oh. I will always, I, in your eyes, I will always be millennial. As if oh. like Bieber and Taylor Swift and Selena Gomez. Are you know what I love? Here's what I jam. love. This, this has nothing to do with anything. I love how um, churches follow a church growth formula. Okay. So, so I'm just scrolling through my Twitter feed. This is this is the random. This was things. literally instantaneous. Yes, and and so it's like January. If you're in, in one of these like, and again, it's fine. It's just funny because January is always like money or spiritual discipline series. Always. February is what. Relationships. relationships always so so let's do our four-week series on sex and relationships and then we have a, a bit of a pre-easter thing but then it, then there's always a um like right after easter there's the cool hip oh, like yeah. summer at the movies or, or like you know let's just uh, fix up our lives yeah. or 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 i mean it's just it's just how does moana relate to my life yes it's just so it's so beautiful it's so beautiful there's just this there's just a way you do it and it's funny. Oh my goodness! Wait, wait, wait. So what happened on Twitter? You just you just scrolled. I just saw like, one of those. I saw I saw a new series. Yeah. Um. I love I love yeah. So I mean that was it. So don't read it. Don't read it. Oh yeah. But oh, that was like of oh. course of course it's a relationship makeover it, series. It does include the words. Yes. So anyway, it's awesome. Uh, but it's just funny. It's just like this is the this is the formula. And for those of us that are inside church world, it's just funny how. Like, this is how you do it. It's just so funny. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And may he, in these days, Claire, give you peace. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast, and now support us on Patreon at patreon.com/voxpodcast.